Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Super Bowl 56 has been decided. The Cincinnati Bengals back for the first time in three-plus decades. And the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams find a way over the San Francisco 49ers. A matchup that not a lot of people expected, but one that has enough storylines to make things exciting. Also, the GOAT retires for the second time and major league baseball still at a standstill to see if we're going to start the season on time, but nobody circles the wagons quite like the national football league on the show. And of course, no better way to start than a brief breakdown of what happened in the AFC and NFC championship games, starting with somewhat of a shock to some folks, but if you dig a little deeper or if you listen to this show, not so much because on our show, at least Al, was riding Joe Burrow, smoking Joe, reminds him of Joe Montana, $1,000 rose-tinted glasses, smooth Joe cool, nothing under pressure, championship games, please. Been doing that his whole life. Cool, calm, and collected, makes a comeback for the ages against the Kansas City Chiefs, who folded like a wet piece of paper in the second half. Patrick Mahomes played one of the worst halves of football you could possibly play, and those cocky, cocky, cocky Chiefs finally had some karma catch up for them. Just thinking they're going to cruise to the finish line with the three-touchdown lead, maybe not taking the Bengals as seriously as they should, make a couple of mistakes, and just completely implode. So much so that you had to take the video game out of the cartridge, blow on it, and reset the system. Patrick Mahomes short-wired himself, short-circuited after that first-half play that sent them into halftime with no points, and all the momentum was completely gone from their team. They forgot how to play football. I've never seen anything like it. It was shocking to witness. Credit to the Bengals for taking full advantage of it, and it's exciting to see them with an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl and have a chance to win it. Those fans have been waiting for this for some of them their entire lives and we can at least have a new storyline, some new blood in the AFC playing for that championship, and we got to relish a little bit in friend of the show Nick Wright's demise and sadness as his Twitter posts became less and less and less and then went completely silent. Sadness in the Wright household because his Kansas City Chiefs had one of the worst collapses in football history. It was just a a team that disintegrated before our very eyes. And the best way I've described it, at least that I can think of, is that the pass that Patrick Mahomes made just before to end the first half, 
basically was like kryptonite. It turned him into Clark Kent. They were in complete control of that game, ready to go up 28-10 after a nice Bengals drive to show a little life. But they had been unstoppable on offense. And then they had to get cute. Now, they got the benefit of a, of, of a you know, I thought, which was a, a bit of a sketchy call on a ball that I thought that was clearly uncatchable that they called interference with about the one-yard line. Andy Reid, it's time for a couple plays. The first one, Mahomes basically throws it into the ground when there's nobody open. And, look, to his credit, because he took a lot of heat, Andy Reid took the blame. But that play with five seconds to go was designed to be a quick throw over the middle and throw it away in the end zone with time for the field goal. Instead, you see Patrick Moore's look over the middle. There's no one open. The play is not there. So he goes outside to the jitterbug, the lightning bug, Tyreek Hill, who's covered by two guys behind the line of scrimmage and can't get out of bounds and can't get in the end zone. No timeouts, half over. Now, still, 21-10, getting the ball in the second half. Okay, they got cute. They gave away three points. Is it really going to amount to a hill of beans, the way they've moved the ball? But it just seemed to totally and completely shut down everything they had going. They come out in the second half. They turn it right over on downs and punt. And then slowly but surely, the Bengals drive their way back into the game, running it, throwing, not deep down the field, not the Bengals we saw during the regular season, but the Bengals that we saw against the Raiders, the Bengals that we saw against Tennessee, the Bengals that run it some, the Bengals that throw it some when he's got time to throw, and Joe B., doing anything and everything he's got to do to keep the game under control. Not scrambling madly or wildly, but somehow pulling Houdini X to keep plays alive and scramble just to the yard marker and the sticks for third down completions or third down first downs and keep drives alive. And as we said on this program, Joe Mixon being a huge part of the offense, both running the ball and catching the ball to keep the Chiefs defense off balance and to give Cool Hand Joe a little bit of time to throw with play, play action, quick drops, and then boom, here's Jamar Chase, and then boom, over the middle, there's T. Higgins, who had a much better game than he did the prior game, We couldn't hang on to the ball in the big spot. Lost their tight end early, but somehow, someway, Joe B spreads it around and uses clock. No short, quick strike drives to put the Kansas City offense back on the field. But ball control by basically lack of choice because they really could not hit a lot of big plays with Chase being double teamed and worrying about protecting their quarterback, max protection, et cetera. But slowly but surely, finding a way to matriculate the ball down the field, in the words of the great extra, and put points on the board. Then comes a terrible turnover by Mahomes. More points on the board, two-point conversion, ball and behold, tie game, and Kansas City's completely out of sorts. 
Mahomes is running around like a chick with his head cut off. The scrambling he did in the first half, which resulted in first downs and touchdowns, is now left not. That's all gone. Now it's mad scrambling. Almost like he is frantic, like he is panicking. He is trying to make every play a game-breaking play. Back, time to throw, can't find anybody, scrambling madly, dodging, zigging, zagging, can't find anybody, putting the ball up for grabs, getting sacked, four sacks in the second half, trying to do too much, not throwing the ball away, not tucking it under and going for getting seven, eight, 10, 12 yards, staying in the pocket, trying to find the big play, which they took away. It completely discombobulated the Kansas City offense. Credit to Cincy's coaching staff, halftime adjustments that resulted in pressure on the quarterback, coverage in the secondary, that when there was no pressure and he had time to throw, there was nobody to throw to. And the Cincinnati offense, led by a quarterback who has been there, been in the big moment, coming into this game, 3-0 in college, SEC title game, semis and finals, 2-0 in the playoffs. And lo and behold, here we are with the ball in his hands. With the ball in his hands, tie game, and boom, he throws an interception. And like, All right. Okay. Found a way. Kansas City's going to pull the rabbit out of the hat. They're all right. And then when Kansas City's got the ball in their hands in the fourth quarter, good field position, they go three and out with a sack on third down, and here comes Joe B. Down the field we go. Down the field we go. Not the big plays. Here and there, T. Higgins, Mixon, Chase, the kid, 24-21. Kansas City strikes back, charges down the field, first drive of the half, looks for all the world like they're going to take the lead, win the game. And then they get down where Cincinnati's out of timeouts. They can't stop him on third down, and it's first to go from the four. And now Kansas City's manipulating the clock and trying to score a touchdown and leave Joe Burrow as little time as possible on the clock. Instead of just trying to score, they're getting cute. Incomplete. Sack. All of a sudden, it's third down. And there you have it again. Patrick Mahomes play run for your life. He's got all day to throw. He can't find anybody open. He's circling back. He's giving ground. And then he fumbles. He fumbles. Sloppy with the ball again. They recover. And Butthead ties it again at the gun. But they go from touchdown to field goal. But you're thinking, what if they win the toss? This could happen again, and lo and behold, they win the toss. And you see Joe B's eyes, eyes kind of drop. You figured they're going to do it again. We're going to be screaming about the overtime rules again. They're going to tie it on the last play of regulation again. And they're going to win the coin toss at home again. And they're going to go down the field and score a touchdown again. Because the Kansas or the excuse me, the Cincinnati offense was just on the field for the last drive of the game. And they're tired. And you're like, come on, man. You know, enough of this bullshit. I mean, you, you can't win the game in regulation. You can't show me you're a champion. You're going to suck out with this, this deal again. And in the Super Bowl, you go, but ah, 
no can do. Not on trophies, watch. And the rest is history. The kid takes him down the field. Mixon, again, a big part of it. Third and long. Mahomes throws into double coverage. Great play. Tip. Interception. Good field position. Joe mixes his plays. T. Higgins again. Nice run by Mixon. Chippy field goal. Shocker. Shocker. Kansas City home. Clean out your lockers. You have to pack your bags. You're home. And you're staying home. No trip far to the far west. And the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals. The laughing stock of the league. Who are going to draft the Oregon offensive lineman and their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback says, take a tip from Joe B. This guy chases the real deal. All right. You get me him. And we're going to do some wild stuff. I'll figure out a way to make some time for myself. We'll build the offense. So Joe B gets his knee ripped up. Terrible injury. Carried off on a stretcher. Rehabs. Looks shaky in the preseason. Chase couldn't hang on to the ball in the preseason. Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? And this Ohio kid who started at Ohio State and transferred to LSU and had the season of a lifetime and won a national title and stood up there at the Heisman Trophy ceremony and gave us a speech for the ages when he didn't just thank the folks at LSU. He looked home and he told everybody how much this means to the people in his hometown. And he gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals and he comes home to Ohio and he takes him to the Super Bowl. You can't, you know, you hear it so many times you couldn't write, you couldn't write the script. They throw it away. Indeed. Joe Burrow. Second year, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback has taken the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. Are you fucking kidding me? Come on, man. How cool is this guy? You watch him under fire. He's never flustered. He's ne- how, many, how many times did he get sacked? How many times did he get sacked against Tennessee? Nine times? Nine times. Who wins a game when they get sacked nine times? Who wins a playoff game on the road when they get sacked nine times? You know how many times he was sacked against the Chiefs? Once. How's that happen, Chiefs D? Did you not read the blueprint from what Tennessee was able to do? One sack. And he's in position now to put himself into the categories of quarterbacks that we talk about all the time on the show, not only for their legacies, but for the franchises. Because they get to pay these quarterbacks pennies when they first come out of the draft. Now, it's not actually pennies. They're still making a very nice amount of money. But considering what they can make for their second contract deals to the franchises, it's pennies. And we've seen franchises, in a sense, luck out with early Super Bowls with what turned into be star franchise quarterbacks. Our favorite quarterback on the show, Aaron Rodgers, 12 years ago. Last time he was back in the Super Bowl. But he won one. Russell Wilson. Big Ben. Tom Brady. You get a couple Super Bowls from your future franchise quarterback before you have to pay them like the franchise quarterback. You're making those rich, wealthy, white owners quite happy. Not like that's something that needs to be done because the legacy part of it is more important. But everybody wins if you win early. The fan bases, the team itself, 
the quarterback, the players, everything coming up roses. Just getting to the Super Bowl is good enough. And he's doing something on this run that is just the survive and advance type mentality. Bengals have gotten lucky. They've had quarterbacks at the end of games turn the ball over. Patrick Mahomes being the latest to do so in overtime. They've had teams make some mistakes, and you need that to happen. You're not going to go out there and dominate every game. You need the ball to look bounce your way. Look at the way their three playoff games ended. Interception at the goal line. Yep. Interception at midfield. Yep. To lead to the game-winning field goal. Interception in overtime yep. to lead to the game-winning field goal. You turnovers, need some things to turnovers, bounce your way. But you turnovers. also have to force those types of turnovers as well. And be lucky sometimes. Nobody's going to remember that if you win the Super Bowl. Well, they got real lucky, remember? No. It's the end result and, of that. And, rem- and remember, that game could have been ended on a pick six. Eli Apple on a terrible throw by Mahomes on that first series in overtime. Hit, I, I, how do you catch the balls beyond me? Conversely. Terrible throw by, terrible throw by Mahomes. Should be an interception. Okay, maybe he falls and trips over the yard line, the yard line, and it's a field goal to, in overtime. But the way it was set up, he, he, he looks like if he catches it, he, it's, it's a pick six, and the game is over. But either way, it's deep in Kansas City territory, and the way the kid's kicking, a game-winning field goal. But regardless, Mahomes was awful in the second half, as bad as we've seen him, did not, did not react to the pressure well, flustered in the pocket, flustered out of the pocket. And even when he had time, for example, the last drive in overtime, last drive of the game for them, non-drive, last possession, bad balls behind guys, missing guys. He just looked literally, he turned into a different quarterback after that throw at the end of the half. And I'm not blaming Andy Reid. I'm sorry. Andy Reid took the eight, says it's on me. I should have given it a better play. You know, so we're going to score a touchdown. You know, look, you got to, you, you advise your quarterback's instructions. Here's the play. And if it's not there, throw it away. Your quarterback should know better. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's not a rookie. It's not a second year guy. Super Bowl winning, Super Bowl losing. Patrick Mahomes. It's amazing how the guy, I anointed the best quarterback alive, dropped a couple bags after his first playoff loss uh, in Rodgers' mediocre performance at best. And the guy you're ready to anoint again after his performance against the Bills certainly drops down a couple notches after a great first half and a just abysmal second half that cost his team the game. Cost his team the game. He was awful. Bill's going to feel brutal. Bad decision. Bad mistakes. And, well, look, the Bills didn't put the pressure on him. The Bills didn't put the pressure on him since they did the second half. Changed up their defense. They rushed three for the most part with the fourth guy. They dropped into coverage, and they got to him. They got to him. And, you know, sometimes, where did Travis Kelsey go? Except for that last drive, where was Travis Kelsey? It almost seemed like they were going for the home run again. And when they couldn't hit the home run, they couldn't put the ball in play on it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America.
We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It's the same bullshit that's plagued this team for since Patrick Mahomes became the flash of what we know Patrick Mahomes can be, and we saw it earlier in the season. This is why they got off to such a crappy start. It's the happy feet, running around, trying to make things happen, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say sometimes that's when they make things happen. When plays go awry, they can create and make magic. We saw it happen in the Bills game. When Kelsey just says to Mahomes, hey, man, I'm just going to run over here. You take a look at it before we get out there, and he's at the line, Mahomes, yelling, Kels, go ahead, do it, and he's wide open to get in the field goal range. It works for them a lot, but when it doesn't work, it looks brutal, and it did not work at all that whole second half. He's just running around back there thinking he has all the time in the world, not realizing that even though they're only rushing three or four, eventually they're going to get to you. Bengals dropped eight seemingly every time they were looking to pass, and he had nobody to go to. They went away from the run. They went away from short screens. Patrick Mahomes wasn't running. I mean, he was running just side to side. There was that one play he ran for, what, 61 yards on that final drive to make two-plus yards, I think, when he ran out of bounds. Just side to side, like you're playing a video game. I was confused as to why they went away from Kelsey, why they went away from Hill, didn't really try to force that side of it, but also didn't try to run it and didn't try the short passes. When they're dropping eight, take the four or five yards. Stop trying to always hit the home run. And then we get to the last drive. And this, as you missed, because luckily for you, you're not on social media, but was discussed heavily. Kansas City gets the ball back. They start doing their quick passes, moving it down the field in the blink of an eye. And it gets to the point where you think, well, they're probably going to try and hold the ball, which may not be the best decision because their offense hasn't proven that that's wise since the first half. Just score first before you start trying to get cute after that performance leading up to this point. And Tony Romo sitting behind the microphone telling everybody listening, maybe the Bengals should let them score here. Going through all these examples of what would be the best way and best time to have them just get in the end zone so they can get the ball back with enough time left. Throw up three. Not stop them. Have them kick a field goal. Let them score. Let them score. (laughs) Did you miss what we just watched for the whole second half? They can score, Tony. Keep stopping them. He was brutal at the end of the Bills-Chiefs game. He was even more brutal at the end of this game. He's getting ripped on the internet. The Tony Romo love affair, predicting all the plays. Oh, man, he could see things before we can. That's long gone. Now everybody just wants him to shut the fuck up. And I can't blame them. And I don't know much about football. And I'm sitting at home like I yell at Scott Hansen on Red Zone talking over every single important play. Just let it breathe, man. So he wants the Bengals to let the Chiefs score. They get down to the five. And logically, you think, well, they're probably going to get in there eventually, right? Wrong. Because they start moving backwards. On third down, Patrick Mahomes, after first and goal at the five, is standing near the 21-yard line dancing back and forth, thinking he's going to find somebody open in the end zone for a touchdown. And then he keeps doing it and fumbles. They could have lost the ball there and lost the game before the field goal that tied it. 
What are you doing? Tremendous play by the offensive lineman to pounce on that. Who came out of nowhere. What was he doing there? He knew. Listen, this guy's going to keep running backwards. We better run with him because we can't block these three guys. I couldn't believe what I was seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a collapse that you see from the Texans. It's a collapse that you see from the Jaguars in the regular season. These are the Chiefs that have been here before again and again. They should know what they're doing, and nobody had a clue how to close that game out. And as we said, credit to the Bengals because they took full advantage of it. But a lot of the blame has to go on Patrick Mahomes. I understand the play calling. Why aren't you running? Why aren't you throwing short? Why are you still going for the home runs? But even he said for that play where he threw it back to Tyreek Hill, five yards, said, I got a little greedy. But if I had to do it again, I probably would. What? Throw it in the end zone or take the points, man, at that point in the game. We mentioned it last week. You said it. It's the playoffs. Take the points, especially early in the game like that. I couldn't believe it. And I don't hate it. In a way, it was great to watch. It was theater. How are they going to screw this up even more? And they just kept doing it. Then he gets the ball back in overtime. You think, all right, eventually water is going to find its level. Now's when they're going to make their typical game-winning drive like they did against the Bills, and off they go again to the Super Bowl. Not at all. Nay, nay. A pick. Give the ball back to Joe. No problem getting us in the field goal range. The damn near scored. And the Chiefs are complaining that maybe Joe Mixon wasn't touched on that run, and he should have fumbled it because he got up and celebrated and threw the ball. And we're just grasping at straws, of course. Just utterly baffling and pathetic. And deserved. What can we tell you? It's the same nonsense that's gotten them into trouble for the last three plus years that they revert back to. Don't do it anymore. Not at that stage. And their ugliness reared its head. And the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. They, they just seem to get, you know, a, a little too cocky, a little too cute. And Mahomes just, you know, he, he, look, he's fabulous. Earlier in the first half, he was unstoppable. And whenever he rolls right, it's huge trouble. But roll right and finish the play. Roll right and throw it or roll right and run it. Don't roll back and forth, front and back, and turn the play into a train wreck. Every play does not have to be a game-breaking play. You know, scrambling for five, seven yards and taking it and getting out, it's fine and, and, and move on to the next play. But again, it's always this notion of trying you know, when it's not there to make, you know, ch- to, to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, you know, just wrap the chicken up and put it in the fridge instead of turn it into a train wreck. That's what he did a few different times. And I really think it put the offense in, into a total stall. I think they wound up either going backwards. I think they lost their confidence and they got totally out of sync. The entire offense. And uh, they, they never really got it back except for the one drive. And that wound up failing as well. When I look for all the world, like it was going to be a touchdown. Uh, it, it's just, it, I don't want to say stunning, but stunning. Not to say that, this is it. 
not to say that they shouldn't try to pull a Tampa Bay Bucks and maybe run it back or close to it at least. But you've said it, I've said it, and you've said it even more. Just how hard it is to win a Super Bowl in the National Football League. They tried to run it back two years ago. They were gonna run they're gonna run it, they brought everybody back. They brought everybody back. And they lost to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Got blown Tried out. to bring everybody back, keep everybody healthy, keep everybody strong. They brought everybody back. The offensive line got banged up. Mahomes got banged up. They got smoked in the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay brought everybody back. They got banged up. Offensive line, wide receivers. They got smoked by the Rams. Then the old man brought them back because he obviously greased the footballs. The Rams couldn't hang on to him. But the bottom line was, they weren't playing like Super Bowl team. They were getting crushed by the Rams. It's Brady was the last guy to repeat. 18 years ago. There's a reason. It's incredibly difficult. It's a violent league. Guys get hurt. Just because you bring them back, you don't get to bring them back. You know, like Fabergé eggs. You put them out there and they got to play again. They got to get through the year. And they got to be relatively healthy when the playoffs starts. Tampa doesn't have their best offensive lineman. They can't protect Brady. It's exactly what the NFL wants. Parity. Everybody with a chance. Teams trying to defend. Bringing guys back. Pushing the envelope. And falling just short. Everybody's involved. The viewers can't stop watching because you get brought to the edge of your seat. And when I didn't think we were going to have two incredibly competitive games, quite frankly, we had two incredibly competitive games. The other side of the coin for the teams that don't do as well, how quickly you can possibly turn it around. Bengals get the first pick in the draft two years ago. And it wasn't for Joe Burrow tearing his knee. Who knows? What would happen? They're already in the Super Bowl. So the good teams are there battling it out, and sometimes even the bad teams can make it. If you've it got out. a special quarterback, and I don't just mean from talent, from the neck up, and that doesn't mean he's got to have an IQ of 350, but if he's got a high football IQ, and if he's fearless, and if he doesn't waver under pressure, both mentally and physically, and doesn't break down and stays healthy, you're so far ahead of the game. And when you watch him play, that's exactly the way he plays. He never seems to be phased. He'll make bad throws. He's human, of course. But he never seems intimidated or phased by what defense. And like I said, I keep going back to the national title game. Well, Clemson was the defending champ, and he got the ball a couple times, pinned back. The first time he got the ball, Clemson threw the chicken uh, kitchen sink at him with a lot of pressure. Uh, he was a little flustered, and he had to throw the ball before he wanted to. But after a couple series, he got his feet under him, gathered, realized what he was up against, and said, okay, let's go. We can do this. And then the game was over. He stares in the face of adversity 
And once he adjusts to it, he excels. That's stardom. That's uniqueness. That's greatness. Now, is it going to continue? Is he going to stay healthy? Who knows? But the point is, when I saw that against Clemson, that's when I thought this guy's really special. I thought before that, he was having a year of years, but those first couple of possessions against Clemson, it's like, oh, they're coming at him. He hasn't seen anybody like these guys yet. And then after he adjusted, it was all she wrote. Blew him out. Left no doubt. Now he's going to the Super Bowl. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And the other game was, at least by winner on our show, not as surprising. We thought it was going to be a little bit more of a route. And before you know it, it's, wow, are the Rams going to do anything? Can they score? Jimmy G did just about enough, like you would think. All right, 17 points. That's what you're going to expect, probably, against this Rams defense. Maybe we'll get another field goal here in the last quarter. They took it over in the fourth. Touchdown, field goal, field goal. Matt Stafford found himself. He kept finding Cooper Cup. And the Rams, back. Your boy, Sean McVay, back in the Super Bowl. The boy wonder. Forget about the challenges he was calling because this was the boy wonder. This was, were they prepared? Absolutely. Offensively and defensively, to his credit. But from the start of the game to the final gun, this was as poorly a coached game from a decision-making standard that I can ever remember in the postseason. The boy blunder was abysmal. Absolutely. In the first half, in a 7-7 game, he's got his team kicking a 54-yard field goal by a guy who was short from 40 cents. His defense is playing great. You could either punt and pin him back and let Jimmy try and G try and go 70 yards to kick a field goal, or you can even go for it on fourth and eight. He does neither. And next thing you know, Jimmy G moves his team 30 yards to kick a field goal. And then they're moving the ball to set the second half, and they're cruising along. And it looks like they're going to go moving for a tying field goal or a touchdown to take the lead. And he's got third and one, third and a foot. And on third and a foot, instead of running the ball, he gets cute. I don't know what that play was that, that his quarterback had to throw it into the ground. But how were you not running the ball there to get the first down? So now it's fourth and a foot. And you run the quarterback snake. And it's clearly a good mark, a fair mark. It's short by two inches, which I called. To my wife, said he's short, short. I haven't missed a call in 45 years. And he throws the challenge flag. What are you thinking? What are you doing? You're causing your team a time out for that? They're not going to change that spot. 
And then, oh, by the way, down the field they go, convert a couple third downs. Jimmy G, good job. And a touchdown to the tight end. And, hey, by the way, you're down 17-7. You're down 17-7. to Later in the game, it's third and two. After a moronic call by, you know, his counterpart, when they've got second and two, there results in no game in a moronic, a quarterback, I don't know what that was, on their end. He's got fourth and two. If they hand off to the fullback, what are you doing then with the fullback? I like him, but still. You stop him on third and two, and then they're going off the field, and the boy blunders says, let me challenge again. Because th- th- I think he fumbled. What are you doing? Who's watching these? Don't you he, have he a guy fumble. that tells you what he happened? He didn't fumble. He, like, handed the ball, you know, pushed their ball out after he was down. And all I'm thinking is, this guy's given Shanahan time to change his mind. And they're going to go for it on fourth down. And lo and behold, he sends the offense back out there. But it's the typical conservative. To the benefit, to save his ass, to save McVay's ass, Shanahan doesn't go for it. The typical try and draw him offside, take the penalty punt. All I'm thinking there is, you buffoon. You challenged your way into no timeouts, and now he's going to go for it on fourth down. And if he makes it, you're screwed. But Shanahan doesn't take the bait, doesn't take advantage of the opportunity. He punts the ball like an idiot. And down the field they go with Cooper Cup and company. And, you know, the much maligned quarterback shows once again that he can make every throw in the book. Every throw there is, he can make it. Under pressure, to the sidelines, to Beckham, who played well again, takes the helmet to helmet, another 15 yards. Hello, Cooper Cup. Hello, backup tight end. Hello, Cooper Cup. Hello, Mr. Beckham. Mine out for the field goal. And, you know, the quarterback who had it all upon him bailed his coach's ass out again. Again. His coach got conservative last week. I should say a week and a half ago. And this past week, he just, his in-game decisions were complete abortion. I have no idea what he was thinking. Just lost. You sound like a bad gambler chasing losses, chasing and chasing and chasing, desperate, desperate, throwing away timeouts on challenges that had no chance of winning. None. And when he's getting the ball back anyway. Don't get it. Who's giving you this advice from upstairs that that's a fumble? Where's your photographic memory to know better? You've been I, watching I football a long time. I can you fucked up. I've got a photographic memory, too. They don't overturn these, man. Me. What are you fucking doing? Like, they're going to commercial because it's so obvious. We don't even need to see a replay. You're not going to win third them. down, your call to your quarterback is so bad that you've got to apologize to him coming off the field. <laughs> When you throw the ball down the field, you go a little dink. And, and 
your quarterback, he's like, what, what are we doing? And boy, Blunders is my bad. You're bad. You already had the bad against Belichick when you got your ass coached, outcoached. Well, again? When are you going to get this right? When are you going to wake up? What are you doing? I mean, do you take stupid pills at the kickoff? Shocking. Absolutely shocking from the guy who's got all the right moves. He's got the best team. Defensive line was terrific. To their credit, if Jalen Ramsey could catch a ball, that douchebag, I mean, he's got a ball for an interception that could have been a pick six. Right in his mitts. Somehow, some way, he's got holes in his hands. But they club Jimmy G on the last possession. Knock him down, knock him out. Results in, you know, what would have been fourth and 25. Instead, he makes a desperate backhanded toss, which goes off his running back and then gets intercepted. Needed a um, touchdown for the cover, by the we way. We needed that, that for the cover, of course. Brutal. But if it wasn't for the coach, they would have covered long ago. Yeah, it had that feel of too many things are happening wrong, and this cover's not going to happen. Drop passes, that interception at the goal line, the stupid challenges, not having any timeouts, the dropped interception by the 49ers right in the guy's hands. That was huge. Sealed the game. That was huge. It. That was the worst play that um, Stafford has made in the postseason. Yep, just heaved he it up. He threw it up for grabs, and he got very lucky. Very lucky. So that ball gets intercepted. It's a much different game. Much different game. Well, we have plenty of time to break the Super Bowl down like all the other shows and hope to continue with one more game, our streak of somehow success picking these football games. I don't know what's happened to us, but I'll take it. And we also had the news break from Adam Schefter and co that Tom Brady was retiring from football the other day. This was so of course the obituary esque pieces start the thank you Tom's all over social media. This is it. The goat, et cetera, et cetera. And some news trickles out that he hasn't said anything to the bucks organization. He hasn't talked to the coaches. He hasn't talked to, anyone of importance, his father. But you get the sense of thinking this won't be official until Tom Brady decides it is. This is an announcement that he wants to make himself. He's spiteful enough as a competitor. Maybe he'll just go ahead and come back for another season just to give it to Schefter and be able to go out on his own terms. Or he'll let this sit for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. It's Fresh off the two teams being named to the Super Bowl. Tons of time left for you to wait. But a couple days later, a day after going on his Sirius XM podcast, everybody at my company was thrilled that maybe he would make an announcement to Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald about his future. But he just kind of said, well, you take it day by day, all that garbage. The next day he comes out with an eight-note Instagram page post saying that it's time to retire. So Schefter turned out being right, which you hate to see. Would have been a fun story if this whole thing from him in Darlington just turned out to be false. I think that what might have happened is they were going to announce something on his ESPN Plus show 
Time and Tom or whatever it's called. Tom and Time. Whatever and Tom. They were going to plan something for that and have this like dramatic announcement on the show for the last episode where he says he's going to announce his retirement and they're able to kind of predict it and tease it throughout the week. Everybody gets excited. What's his announcement going to be? And somehow Adam Schefter got wind of it. And that's how he ended up breaking the news. So instead of Tom Brady announcing it on his show, instead of announcing it on Man in the Arena, I'm going to announce it to the world. The interesting thing about this retirement, Brady's played for so long and we've talked about him so long and we've gone over his accomplishments for so long and he has seemingly every record possible that there wasn't much to say when he announced this. There wasn't much emotional tearjerker, triumphant. Here's all the stats. He was taken for granted. Can you believe he did this or that? Once he announced it, there was kind of a sense of relief for anyone that's not a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Now we finally don't have to play Tom Brady anymore. And it's to the point where he's played so long. It's like, yeah, we get it. He's done everything there is to do. He's got the seven. We talk about it all the time. Every time he wins another one, we re-up his stats. We all know them. You don't have to write them down. We get it. And it's just kind of like, all right, the day finally came. He didn't go out in a heap. He went out still on top. He was still playing his ass off, even in his last touchdown passes. He just decided this was it. And it kind of just happened. It was, it's a very interesting way for a career to end, especially one like his. For me, it was just kind of like, okay, that's it. It was acceptance. Well, you heard it here. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. I told you he was retiring before the Tampa loss. I told you this was going to be it. Because it's time. For all the reasons everybody said. There's nothing else to do. Tampa Bay's up against the cap. He's got a year, another year on his contract. They're not going to bring everybody back. Yes, the NFC is up for grabs, but they're not going to be nearly as good. He's not getting any younger. And even if you win the NFC, you got to deal with the AFC channel. But more importantly, I think you saw the handwriting on the wall that this team is a shell of what it was because of injuries this year, and now guys not coming back next year, and it's there's nothing left to do. You know, it's not can I can I still play because he knows he can still play. It's can I still win a championship with this team who he's under contract with? And I think if the answer was yes, he'd be playing. But I think his answer is no. I can. I'm good enough. I prove that. I don't think we can be good enough. Or it's going to be and do really I want to risk another year of health? Do I want to deal with losing again? Do I want to be away from my family for another year? And the answer is no, no, and no. As I said to you last week, as I said to anybody and everybody who listened, Tom Brady's kids are old enough to have watched him play now, seen him win. Seen him be TB12. Now it's time for him to watch them play. So they can look up and see him in the audience, see him at the recitals, see him at the games, help him with homework, drop him off from school, drop him off to school, pick him up from school, 
be there all the time. Be there now for all the time he wasn't there. Because kids aren't getting any younger and kids are grown up at the blink of an eye. And you don't want to miss any more than you've already missed already. Because now it's their turn. Great father, like I had, and it seems like a great father, at least to him, like Tom Brady has had, it makes you understand it more. Because your father was there. And you know personally how great it was for you to have your father there. To watch you, to root for you, to support you, to discipline you, to pick you up when you're down, to share your triumphs, to share your failures. That's what parenthood, great parenthood, is about. And now it's time for him to provide that to his kids. Because I think now he realizes, I'm sure he's already realized, because of the relationship he has with his parents, that his next job is to have that relationship with his kids. Not just when he's not playing, but all the time. Because he had the kind of job that took him away from those kids. But the benefit of that job is he's made so much money, he didn't have to take another job that takes him away from his kids ever again. And now it's their turn. And rightfully so. Because there's nothing else to do. And as I said before, as much as I've rooted against Tom Brady and whoever he's played for, unless they're playing the Steelers, I respect him enough and how great a player he was and a leader he was. I don't want to see him get hurt. I don't want to see him be awful. Seeing him lose was enough. And I was glad he brought him back on a run. I was glad he finished strong. I was glad he went out the way he should go out. Rallying his team from death's door, down 27-3, on the brink of going into overtime and pulling another rabbit out of the hat. That was great. That's a tremendous way to remember. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to see him with a dead arm. I have too much respect for him. I don't want to see him get hurt. I don't want to see them go play on a team that goes 5-12. and 12. So that's what I want to remember him. I saw Jim Brown, the greatest player in the history of sports, greatest football history of the NFL, greatest athlete this country's ever produced, go out on top. He lost 23-12 to the Green Bay Packers. The last year there was before there was a Super Bowl, 1965. Led the league in rushing for the eighth time in nine years. Went out as the best player in the league, best player of all time. I watched Sandy Koufax go out as the best pitcher in baseball, 1966. They lost the World Series after winning in 65, but he was the best pitcher in baseball again. Won a Cy Young again. Retire at 30. I watched Bill Russell retire after another championship in 1969. His 11th title. And now I watched Tom Brady. No comebacks for the, any of those three. No comebacks. Yes, Jordan, six for six, but the comeback. The great Ali, the comeback. And knocked out. Jordan, no championships with the Wizards. Good, but no championships. Brady will retire. He will not come back. He will go out at the top of his craft 
at an incredibly old age for professional sports, certainly for the NFL. I'm good with it. As a fan, he gave me anything and everything you could possibly hope for, not as a Brady fan, not as a Patriot fan, as a sports fan. It's all you can ask for. And boy, do we love villains in our sports. And he was one in the AFC for his entire career, except the two years he went to Tampa. And then he became one for some AFC fans in the postseason. That'll be missed. But as you said, you don't want to go out either a shell of yourself or with the what ifs. If you get hurt or if your team sucks, if you retire next year, it's, well, what if he didn't get injured? What if they did better at this place? This is the way. The storybook ending aside from winning the Super Bowl, not a bad alternative, to say the least, for Tom Brady. Next week gives us some time to finally rant and rave about Major League Baseball, that being the Hall of Fame voting and what the owners and players are supposedly trying to do to see if we could salvage a season to start on time. We talk some NBA. Spend the weekend watching some college hoops, folks. Get to know some guys. Coach K's going to Chapel Hill for the last time in North Carolina. Send him off with a fond farewell. Learn a couple players' names. March will be here before you know it. It's either that or you watch the Pro Bowl and whatever else they're going to have going on with those shenanigans, those guys. Pick your poison. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, he is the new report. I am El Renato, a.k.a. El from White Plains. Enjoy your weekend off from the National Football League. Little NBA, little NC2A. Follow the NFL litigation. Have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>